there, pretties. It's Chrissy. And it's Heather. And a really sweet guy with a deep voice to give you a... Uh, oh, yes. Just a quick warning. Yes, the Chrissy and Heather show contains elements of real life, nostalgia, silliness, deep thinking, and nonsense. If you're averse to any of these ingredients, the Chrissy and Heather show may not be for you. So talk to your doctor and all your friends about this program. Let's get into it. So last week, we got into a conversation about vaccinating. We sure did. And it was not the grab bag. It was not. But we kind of agreed that it should be a grab bag at some point. Mm -hmm. And what I want to talk about today isn't necessarily about vaccinating, but it's kind of in the same category of medication. Okay. Um, And hopefully I'm not going to dig too much into personal things. And so don't let me like make you reveal things about yourself that you're not ready to reveal the whole point of this program (laughs) so if you do whatever but you know you um you referenced taking medication during a time of your life when it was really helpful for you Mm -hmm. and I really wanted to dig into that because I think that it's something that there's still a lot of Stigma. stigma about and um and then we also kind of talked around the edges of children taking medication for various um, attention things that it sounded like we both felt were kind of related to how our school environment is set up. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to talk about that too. I think that's great. Let's talk about it. Well, I... Um, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. I, uh, you know, in my line of work, I hear a lot about people's personal lives. Right. And I am... Saddened sometimes when I hear how ashamed people feel when they have to take medication for anxiety or depression or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, because it's it's like you said in our in that last conversation, um, there's nothing to be ashamed about. You know, it's a tool right. that we use. It's a tool. And I sometimes if the place is right, we'll share that I take medication Mm -hmm. for general anxiety. I take a low dose of Prozac every day. Mm -hmm. And like you had your experience after having your baby and then it was after you had your baby, Uh, right? No, it was while I was going through divorce and just a lot of upheaval, you know, just a lot of upheaval. Yeah. I, um, I have always had a combination of, I don't know whether it would be anxiety or whether it is um, my overachiever personality that kind of gets a little crazy. Like I has, I get funny about using the word crazy, but um, you know, I'm really intense yeah. and I'm very driven and I can be very singularly focused mm-hmm. when I get my mind on something. And that can cause my body to be so tense that I inhibit some of my ability to lighten up. Mm -hmm. And that leads to my body showing physical signs of stress. So over time, um, I found... the laughter show. (laughs) I needed the laughter Mm -hmm. show. So anyway, years and years ago, I started taking Prozac. And I had the same experience you did. It really helped. It really helped me to just kind of calm down and, and make rational decisions and not be so hyped up all the time. Right. Okay. 
And then I had a period when I was pregnant. I didn't want to take it when I was pregnant mm-hmm. because I was concerned about how it would um, affect the baby. Right. And so I stopped taking it and I was okay. I felt like I think that I have paid attention to how I live with the benefit of the medication and I can now make decisions that way and I don't need the medication anymore. And so I didn't take it Mm -hmm. for the whole time I was pregnant or when I was breastfeeding. Well, when you're pregnant, your hormones are so different anyway. Like for me, I was a very joyously pregnant person. Like I like pregnancy, I always said like, I felt like it balanced my hormones. I felt like pregnancy was all cylinders firing at a hundred percent, you know? So pregnancy, like I can see that just like, like I said, I took it during a really tumultuous time of my life and it helped during that time, but I don't need it. My life is like so great right now. Like, like I just knock on wood every day, you know, because things are just flowing along so nicely and I don't need additional support at right. this point, you know? Yeah. So, But it's a nice tool to know that... To know that it's available if I do. Yeah. yeah. And if you need mm-hmm. it, then it... And it worked well in the past and it mm-hmm. helped. And I went through that period when I didn't take it. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and then I started feeling the kind of the same things come back. And so I got back on it. Mm-hmm. And, and it really does help me a lot. And so I will share that with people sometimes when it's appropriate, um, especially when I hear them um, lower their voice and say, well, my doctor prescribed, you know, like Wellbutrin, or I took a little bit of Paxil mm-hmm. or, you know, something that is, um, they say it in a hushed tone, like they yeah. don't want people to know. And so. But w- yet they'll self-medicate with alcohol, right. you know, like, it, and I really do mean that. Like oh, I, for I, I sure. know people going through divorce, people going through a tough time and, because it's legal, right. they'll drink like, and, and, I, and hell, I've done it. You know, I used to, it used to be, that was the coping strategy that I had, you know? Right. And actually when you brought up like on the laughter show, you were talking about, you know, like try to find laughter in a, in a, in a moment that's difficult. And that really is an alternative coping strategy. Mm-hmm. And I almost talked about on that episode that we, you know, we need healthy coping strategies and that really is one, you know? Yeah. Alcohol is not. It's not a good one. It's not at all. You know, I would much rather you take a Wellbutrin or, you know, a Lexapro or a Prozac and then, you know, block out your life completely in, in an alcoholic haze. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I just, um, well, right now I'm distracted because I th- I'm now I'm wondering if Paxil really is an antidepressant or if it's a cholesterol medication. <laughs> I don't know that answer. <laughs> when you said Lexapro, I was like, maybe I was supposed to say Lexapro. But yes, you're right. People self-medicate with alcohol and that seems to be acceptable, even though it is it's, it's damaging to our bodies. It's legal. Like We have some kind of thing in our brains i guess probably from growing up in you know don't do drugs era like right. drugs are bad legal yeah. drugs you know illegal drugs drugs are bad mm-hmm. but alcohol we cool with you know right even like, yeah there's no stigma there's no like uh, like we decided over time that smoking was bad and it is smoking's bad smoking's mm-hmm. bad you know um but like now smoking is gross but alcohol is cool like alcohol right. is cool it's the like alcohol is the problem solver it's the cool like you know I had a crappy day. Let's go get, you know, 
a glass of wine and um you know or a shot or whatever that that's the that's the that's the thing that is acceptable in society right now and it's cool and we're still a little nervous about whether it's it's cool or whether it's not cool to you know take a prescription medication right mm-hmm. well i don't think our listeners are waiting for me to to validate them or to give them permission to do this or or tell them that it's okay but i do still feel compelled to say that there's nothing wrong with taking a medication that helps you be balanced and make good decisions and and feel functional in your life um and so if you need somebody to be like your friend with that i will be your friend with that mm-hmm. and i will totally support you because i understand the value of it and it's nothing to be ashamed of i think that sometimes the like the argument that always sat funky with me was when they're like well other people in other places don't face these problems like other like anxiety isn't a big thing in in other parts of the world you know and whatever and there's a whole we could have whole shows on that on you know the the quality of life in american culture and there are things to be said for our problems are different. First you know? world problems. Um, yes, exactly. Our problems perhaps are different. But that doesn't make them any less valid to your life that you're living today. And right. I think a lot of times I I do that. Uh, I don't know if other people do that. But a lot of times I'm like, I downplay my problem. I say, I don't need a solution to this. This is just something I need to get through because other people have it so much worse than me. Right. You know, other people have it so much worse. But, like, it it takes me a lot to learn to live with, yes, your problem is a, quote, good problem to have, but it's still your problem. Yeah. And it's still heavy on your heart or it's affecting your mental or physical health. Yeah. You know, like, it still is a problem. It's valid. And so you are you should be encouraged to find whatever solution science and medicine and i mean obviously other general healthy living things you can't take a lexapro and still drink a bottle of chardonnay and you know lay on your couch all day and you know eat garbage and think that it's going to help you. You have to do other lifestyle things. You know, you have to be living the healthiest lifestyle that you can. But if you're living a good, healthy lifestyle and you're doing everything the best that you can and something else is available to help you hang in there, mm-hmm. it's okay to use that thing too, to add that tool to your toolbox. Right. It's okay, you know? Well, it. I when I consult with people um, about... Well, I'll back up a little bit. Yesterday, I was on site with a corporate, um, a corporate client um, through a company that I work with, um, and we do their health screening. And so they have had a finger prick, and they get blood work done, and then I review their health numbers with them. So I'm, I'm talking about their cholesterol, their blood pressure, and all of that. And looking at cholesterol... And um, somebody came in who is active. He does triathlons. You know, to the naked eye, he is fit as a fiddle, um, eats healthy, you know, the whole thing. And he has high cholesterol. Mm-hmm. And he was really confused. Like, I don't understand. I'm really healthy and I'm really active. I do all of the right stuff and I have high cholesterol. And I asked him, well, um, you know, does anybody else in your family have high cholesterol? He says, well, yeah. Well, you can absolutely be super, super healthy and have 
hereditarily high cholesterol. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And diet and exercise are not going to lower it. Right. You need to, if you want to lower it, then you need to take medication. It's a thing that your body does. And nobody is going to shame you Nobody for is that. going to shame you. But Nobody's going to say you should just exercise more. But you should I know where better. you're headed. I'll just let you head there. <laughs> so it's the same thing. Exactly. You know, you mm -hmm. can, you know, well, I exercise and I have good friends and I, um, you know, I, I have a support network and I do these things and I still have anxiety. Well, you, you just might have that. Mm -hmm. It just might be where you are in your life right now. It just may be where the way that your body is put together. Mm -hmm. And and there's tools for that as well. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, we've talked briefly in the past that I have had the gastric sleeve surgery. Mm -hmm. The gastric sleeve surgery, the more and more research that they do on this particular surgery, the more they learn that so, so what this surgery does, Heather, is our stomach is a pouch, right? right. We, we, have a, we have a pouch inside that, you know, holds food, digests it, sends it to the liver, you know, like it's, it's the holding ground. Um, so the sleeve surgery makes it a very small pouch. It's about the size of a banana. It's just a little skinny, almost like an extension of the intestine. So there's no big spot right. to hold stuff. And the original theory when they started doing this surgery for people was... There's no place for a bunch of food to sit, so you'll eat less. Now, look, you can stretch that pouch. You can, you mm -hmm. can, make sp you can recreate space. What they're finding is that it is a chemical change. Yes. So what happens is a bunch of stuff lives in that stomach pouch, a bunch of enzymes and whatnot live in there that trigger us to be hungry. Mm -hmm. And when we get rid of that space where those things live... We get rid of those things to go to our brain as much and tell us that we are hungry. So for me, I am very rarely hungry anymore. Interesting. Like, in, in fact, there are, will be times that I will forget to eat. And so it's not the physical restriction that changed my body. Mm -hmm. It's the chemical change. And how else do we change things chemically in our body? Through medication. This comes into our body. It binds with these things and it makes them work better or it makes them, you know, unable to do the unhealthy thing they were doing to us. So, I mean, the sleeve surgery really helped me recognize there was something chemically kind of imbalanced about my body. All the willpower in the world, all the dieting in the world, all the wanting to be different in the world, I had way too much of the stuff telling me, you need fuel, you need fuel, you need fuel. And when they got rid of the stuff in my body that was telling my brain, you need fuel, you need fuel, you need fuel, suddenly I was fine, mm -hmm. you know? And it was a chemical change, yeah. you know? It was not, not a medicine that I take every day that changed it. It was a, you know, physical procedure, but it's the, it's the same concept. Right. Well, that's, that's really interesting. I didn't know that about, about the sleeve surgery, um, and you know, something that you said earlier about when you were pregnant, you know, feeling joyfully pregnant, mm -hmm. and that's a Absolutely. chemical change. You know, there's a lot Absolutely. of hormonal stuff going on. When I was pregnant, and, and this was fascinating to me, um, and it's, it is still is, you know, I've had an eating disorder, my words came out wrong, I've had an eating disorder for most of my life, mm. and I have been a binge eater. And it's something that I'm totally open to talking about with people, um, especially if it's helpful for them. 
but um, I'm in a much, much, much better place now. But mm-hmm. as you know, you know, you and I, I've referenced a couple of times that there's, there's some environments that I just don't put myself in because I know that that's in my past and it's part of my personality and I don't want it to be present in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. But when I was pregnant, I had no impulses to binge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I was not pregnant anymore, it came back. And I just noticed that and I thought, hmm, interesting. When my body was in a different chemical place because it was busy building a baby, Mm -hmm. that got turned off somehow. And I was working with a counselor at the time on anxiety stuff and and she said, yeah, you know, that will happen. You know, your body just kind of shuts things off so that it can focus on its bigger job. And I also wondered if it was a protection thing that I was, my body was going to protect, you know, Mm -hmm. me and the baby. And then once I was not pregnant anymore, it came back and it was like, okay, well now I have to deal with this still. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to, to notice that happen when I was pregnant, both times I was pregnant. And then when I wasn't pregnant anymore, it was like, okay, now we're back to regular business. Now Mm -hmm. this is a pain in the butt for you again. Well, I mean, speaking of like, women and chemical, whatever, like, I know so many women, uh, as you know, I'm like a very sexual woman. And I have a very high sex drive, you know, and I know so many women who are like, God, I wish that I, you know, like, you know, like, life would be so much easier, my husband would be so much happier. Like, it, it, it is a chemical, it's, it's a hormonal thing. It's not a I don't I, like that sounds gross to me or whatever. It's just it, the drive isn't there. And you know, so many things in our in our life that that affect our life, that affect our quality of life, that affect our relationships with others come from our own biology and our own chemistry. And I guess that the point of today's show is there's no harm, there's no stigma, there's no you know negative in trying to find the right way to balance that so that you have the quality of life that you want and you get to engage in the activities that you want and you, you know, that you find solutions that help your body, you know, do its best and most balanced work. Right. And if, if you're the, the type of person who puts themselves as a second priority and says, well, you know, I need to take care of everybody else first and then I'll take care of myself those tools help you be able to take care of others, mm-hmm. help you be able to, to, to provide that for others because you're an okay place and then you can take care of others and help them be in an okay place. And I think we have the same stigma when it comes to our kids. Yes. You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, ADHD and, you know, like how can all these kids be diagnosed with ADHD and need this medication? And then, you know, kind of the the personal decisions that people make about whether or not they're going to use medication for that. And, you know, anybody, uh, well, okay, go ahead. You were going to say something. I, I was going to say, so working in autism for all the time that I worked in autism, people love to ask me, why do kids have autism? Mm-hmm. And that is not the kind of research that I do. I do I'm a treatment provider. Right. But what I would always answer people and what I would say is true for ADHD and any other issues that face our children as well is we don't know exactly what causes it, but we do have a very strong inkling that it is a mix of environmental and 
physical, biological factors. It's, and it's the two things together. And so when we talk about ADHD and we talk about, you know, we, we had a brief discussion last time about schools and if schools are designed well for student learning, specifically for our little boys, I think, you know, um, are, are we doing this right? Are we, are we putting school systems together correctly to utilize the existing strengths, the curiosity, the, you know, physical needs of our students? And that's one conversation to march down and we could talk for days about that, I believe. And then the other side of that coin is, you know, the, the biological, do we have too much? Is there excess of, you know, that we, I can't sit still because there, there's too much, there's, there's whatever. And that's when we get to talk about medication and that piece of it. So there are environmental factors, and then there are also biological factors. And those two things come together, you know, and... And they change over the lifetime of a, of a person. They absolutely do. As your hormonal yeah. situations change. And when we're talking about children, you have developmental factors yeah. too. So, you know, you also have yeah. their developmental age versus their actual age, you know, and their maturity, all those things. Yeah. So there's a whole host of constantly changing hormones, constantly changing chemical systems. You get two inches taller and suddenly you, you know, everything's different in your right. body. You know, you, you turn 13 and you get your first period and suddenly right. everything's different in your body, you right. know? So, yeah, well, you know, I, I posted a thing on Facebook the other day. It was just like a, a meme that said, um, my, my well-behaved firstborn child gave me the confidence that I could be a good mom. My wild child second um, taught me to not judge other mothers. I saw you post something <laughs> like that. And, like, and it just yeah. made me laugh because I have one who is like rule follower. And, and then I have one that asks for forgiveness. And he doesn't even ask for forgiveness. He doesn't ask for permission or forgiveness. <laughs> he doesn't understand why you're mad. He just does his thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I, re I have in our, my own family, anecdotally, we resisted medication you know, I just felt like we just need to get organized. I need to change diet. I need to do have a system. I need to have charts. I need to have a structure. But for some reason, it's so easy for us to make that decision for our child. Like right. For ourselves, we'll be like, I need some medicine now. You know, right. but for our kid, we're like, I'm just going to fix everything in their life organically through my own, you know, excellent mothering. Well, because I felt like if I give my kid medication, then I'm not really solving the problem. I'm just giving him I'm putting medication. A on I'm putting, I'm it. just it, making it, I'm just taking the easy way out. And you feel like it's a judgment of your mothering. Exactly. Or like, you feel like it's a judgment. Of, or that I don't want to put the effort. Or you're setting them up for life. Like I'm, if I put my kid on medication when he's eight, he's going to be on medication, you know, like for right. the rest of his life. And you know, and I'm, I'm introducing a drug culture, and I'm like, you know, we get, we get really wrapped up in yeah. very, very long range thinking. Well, my husband and I really went back and forth on it, and then finally talking with our pediatrician, and and he really leveled with us, and he said, you know, if I can, t if I can just tell you that, you know, I have seen parents and I have experienced myself not not giving medication a try not giving it an, a you know just kind of giving a trial period and then having adult children and looking back and realizing I failed them I should have given them a tool and now they can't get their life together mm -hmm. and so we did try and it was helpful then a few years later we decided to make 
make a drastic change in our school environment. And we mm-hmm. went into a non-traditional school environment, didn't need it anymore. It was a mm-hmm. combination of chemical and environmental. Right. Now, a few years later after that, getting into adolescence, it, you know, it might change. Right. And so I think just having the open mind of knowing that there's going to be different times in our children's lives when we have a toolbox mm-hmm. and that we can use, we can pull from this toolbox different things. And I have another friend who was um, kind of in the same situation. They were dead set. They were not going to use medication. Mm-hmm. Not going to do it. And a few years went by of trying different things, different things, totally working hard, really doing all of the um, behavioral things mm-hmm. that, that they could do to impact the environment. And finally said, give us the pill. Right. Give us the pill. Because clearly there's something larger at work here that behavioral is not enough. I mean, to put on my scientist hat for just a second. So when we are meeting with families and we're having discussions about medication, we're having discussions about behavioral intervention, which is what we do. And the first discussion that we have is, is there anything, you know, physically, medically that needs to be dealt with first, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so, you know, first things first, we look at all of those, you know, healthy living kind of things and, and, and those kind of functions. And then w- when we progress past that, we do. So in, in my field, what we do is called single subject design. Mm-hmm. Like a large group design is like these people get placebo, these people right. get, you know, the medication, and then we compare how the two perform. Single subject design is different. Single subject design is we're doing an intervention on the individual level And the most important thing, I guess what I would tell parents who are considering medication or who are trying to evaluate if medication is good for their kid is to only make one change at a time. Right. So you don't start a medication and a therapy program and a, you know, whatever, all at the same time. You have to tease them out and give them each a look. So you can see if there's a difference. Yeah, so you have to decide, and that helps you decide if it is making a change for you. So if the only thing you've done is you add this medication and your child's grades go from Ds to Bs, okay. You know, then then that's a, a pretty solid indicator that this medication is an appropriate intervention for your kid. What Scientist is... head off. I'll be a regular person again. <laughs> now, the scary thing for me and other parents as well is the side effects. Of course, yeah. You know, it, it, they're terrifying. Yeah, and sometimes the side effects can be worse a deal breaker. than the, you know. Some, yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. There have been times, so um, I have a child who takes medication for ADHD, and there have been times that I've been like, I need him off this medicine because he's too skinny, mm, you know, yeah. um, uh, or loss you know, of appetite. Yeah. Any like any number of things that, you know, you're, you're watching. OK, so, you know, and I I'm not in the child's body. I don't know. Does your stomach hurt? You know, like, why don't you want to eat? Like, do you feel crappy? You know, there's been medicines that I'm like, this kid just looks gaunt and sick, you know, and then there's like. When everything's balanced and right and fine, it's great. But, you know, mm-hmm. you, it, it's not a good feeling as a parent or as a, a care provider for a child to feel like they're a guinea pig, you know, to feel like to feel like they're, you know, 
that you're experimenting. Right. But you don't live in their body. You can only, go, like, you know, doctors face this every day. Mm-hmm. They can only go based on our report of how we feel, you know, and and that becomes a, a really tough spot to be in sometimes. Yeah. To be like, you know, is the cost-benefit analysis of, of anything that we do for a kid, yes. you know, yeah. comes into play there. Well, and it is scary when you, you do feel like you are... Um, Taking a gamble, gamble isn't really the right word, but you know, you know that there's going to be side effects with any medication and is the cost benefit worth it, but you don't really know the cost because you only know what your kid, what you can see and witness on your own or what they tell you. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have the words to tell you, you might not know until something really dramatic and drastic is happening with them. And then the guilt from that, I mean, that's just overwhelming Mm -hmm. to, to feel like I just gave my kids something that messed them up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, we never want to hurt our children. You know, we like we're, we're doing everything for their benefit, but we're not perfect and we can't know everything about everything. And sometimes there has to be trial and error and we just have to do it as responsibly and as wisely and as objectively as we can. I, when your children are old enough to have really good conversations, um, I feel like it's important to, again, I'm always going to be the advocate for open, honest communication about how do you feel like this is here's the situation this is this is the condition here are our options for treatment this is what we've chosen and it's really important for us that you let us know how this affects you do you notice different feeling differently during the day mm-hmm. you know what do you like about it what do you not like about it mm-hmm. and keep this dialogue open so that there's never any um fear on the child's part that they really want this to work. I can't tell them that it's not working. Right. Well, I think I think the, the, the flip side can kind of be sometimes when the kid's like, I don't feel anything. And sometimes that's when it's working. Right. That's when it's right because everything just feels right and everything feels okay. I have I have an adult uh, friend who had had told me at one point, oh, gosh, you would not like to see me not on my medication. And I said, well, why would you not be on your medication? And he said, well, because sometimes my brain tells me I don't need it, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So sometimes we get so comfortable in the medication and the medication is really balancing things out for us and it's really making it work. And we're like, I don't need this now. And then we're, and then we're not good. Yeah. (laughs) Then we're not good. You know? Well, I've, I, um, anecdotally, um, have had a variety of friends who have kids on a variety of medication. And once we, open up the the door to start talking honestly about it. And, and we're in a trust, you know, a high trust environment where mm-hmm. people feel safe to talk about what they're doing, what choices they're making, why they're making them, you know, what second thoughts they've had. And, um, you know, talking about some medication of, of asking, do you want to go back on this medication? And the child saying, no, it makes me feel sad. Yeah. And and honoring that and believing that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And and having an it makes op- me cry all the time. Or yes. Me, yeah. Well, I don't want that for you. Let's figure something else out. You exactly. Know? And and I think that when we are able to remove the stigma and the shame of needing medication, mm-hmm. and I kind of put that in quotes of like, I need medication. And 
that implying because I'm broken. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you're just, there are millions and millions of people on the planet. There is no way that there is a default setting for all of us. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you, this is the category that you're in. And, um, and they're all valid and functional. And maybe you could get through life without this medication and it just wouldn't be as good. Right. So why not give yourself the thing that makes life a little more good? Yeah. So the reason why I wanted to talk about this today is because I know that there's still so many of us parents, you know, moms and dads, and, you know, not to mention all of the side people in our lives who are giving us advice, grandparents and, you know, aunts and uncles and friends and everybody who's giving us what they think we should do. And then there's their, what we think we should do. And then what the doctor says we should do. (laughs) And I want, I just want us to have a space where people can be honest about, this is what I'm thinking this is why I'm nervous about it. This is why I think it's a good idea. Has anybody else experienced this? And find a community where you can have those honest conversations and then also be honest with your kids about this is what we're seeing. Here are our options. You know, this is what we've decided to try. And let's let's talk about it so that you and know. And there's nothing wrong. And there's nothing you, wrong. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you needing it. You yeah. Know? There's nothing wrong with putting you in the right place for you. Yeah. You know, and other people don't get to tell you otherwise. Right. <laughs> right. I love that. I hope that. Good job, Heather. Thanks. Uh, (laughs) And I love that you brought this to us to talk about today because I was really emotionally charged about the anti-vaxxers. And I'm still waiting for them to come at me, bro. I like, go ahead. Like, you know, I I was very emotionally charged about it. But it's nice to have uh, a few days and come back and revisit this with a clear head and just have some intelligent conversation about something that really affects pretty much every family. Yeah. There's somebody in your family who might need medication for either something medical, something physical, and the chemical things that are happening in our bodies are just ours to master and balance. And there's no shame in finding whatever tool it is that helps you do that. Right. And there's no shame in deciding that that tool's not right for your family. Mm -hmm. If your child comes to you and says, I don't like the way this medication makes me feel, Mm -hmm. there's lots of options. Absolutely. And And there's lots of therapists and behavioral analysis that can help you create the structures and, and routines in your family that can help you deal with whatever you need to deal with. Right on. One thing that was kind of interesting for me um, was witnessing or experiencing firsthand how that medication affects people. I have never needed to take ADHD medication. Uh But there was one day when I accidentally did. Um, I told you (laughs) that there was a day that I accidentally did too. I was... Um, you know, the way that I would remember that, you know, who had, had done what with vitamins and medications and whatnot, I had this routine and I, I had my, my medication and then I had my child's medication and I was going to give it to him and take my own. Well, I got distracted and I took both of them mm-hmm. and I immediately turned around to my husband and freaked out because I am, I don't like to even take ibuprofen, you know, like I really just hyper-tuned to my body's reactions to things. And so I turned around, freaked out, said, oh my gosh, I just, I just took that. And um, called the doctor and I explained what had happened. And she laughed at me and said, it's such a baby dose. 
you know, it's a child's dose and it's a small, you know, it's a small dose for a child. So you're going to be fine. But like, don't drink any more coffee and don't go running. Like, just stay cool. Mm -hmm. Best. Okay. I won't say best day ever. Most productive day ever. So my story is similar. And my mine was extra great because I didn't realize that I had taken it until the day was like finished. So I didn't change any coffee habit, habits. I didn't, you know, whatever. So I had, I was, I was with a child who takes medication that doesn't swallow pills well. So the medication had been opened up and put into about two or three ounces of the, the bottom of a, of a Gatorade container, right? And put in, shaken up, handed mm-hmm. to the child, you know, and uh, then I was riding in my car, right? And then uh, came home, all the groceries, everything, take everything into the house, take the Gatorade into the house, putting away the groceries, doing whatever, I grabbed the Gatorade. I'm like, oh, a couple sips of Gatorade. Oh. And I, I drink them down because they weren't, you know, and, and suddenly... Things have been put into motion. Yes. And, and, and I don't even notice it. Like, I don't notice, you know, whatever. I just, I just drink it. I throw away the bottle. I go about my day. I organized my pantry. I organized every drawer. <laughs> I organized every closet. I went through every paper that has ever existed and organized it. And I'm a very organized person anyways. Like, you know, and I'm just, I'm just like Jones out. I have done, I've done everything, you know. Uh, it was a, a Saturday and it gets to be... It's 11 o'clock at night, and I realize I haven't put my kids to bed. I've been too busy organizing their rooms and, you know, like, making everything. Everything is perfect. Everything is precise. Because when you don't need this, and then it hyper-focuses your brain, like, mm-hmm. I'm like, why Why shouldn't I take this? This is amazing. Like, and then I, when I was done, I was also, like, you know, all uppered out or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so... I finally put them to bed and I decide, well, I might as well, that when I put them to bed at like 1130 was when I realized what I had done. Oh, so yeah. I had done Started it at sense. like one o'clock in the afternoon oh. and at 11 PM is when I'm like, oh, I drank that Gatorade mm-hmm. and it dawns on me that this is the situation. So I'm like, well, I'm going to write. I'm just going <laughs> to, like, I'm going to go see what I, what kind of progress I can make on this book. And I'm typing and I'm typing and I'm reorganizing. And it's like the puzzle's all fitting together. It's like that movie with um, Bradley Cooper. Right. Um, where he like takes this medication and becomes like, you know, a superhuman, like a genius. And, like mm-hmm. suddenly I'm a genius and I'm moving stuff around in the book and I'm grabbing, oh, this story needs to go here and let's move this to that chapter. And I'm doing everything and I'm like this manic out of control, whatever. And I turn around and it's 6.30 a.m. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was great. <laughs> I did know that I took it. But I don't think that it would be good for me long term. (laughs) Well, it opened my eyes to how people get addicted to it. You know, I'm very afraid of taking mind altering, um, like recreational drugs. Like I, I don't, I don't do any of that Mm -hmm. because I don't like not, I don't want to know how I feel and I don't like not knowing what I'm doing. And I'm just very nervous about it. And I don't, I stay away. I just say no to drugs and <laughs> except prescribed just medications. No, no, no. But, no. um, but that day I did know that I took it. And so mm-hmm. I was hyper aware of, mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of then very you wonder nervous. If some of its placebo effect too. I um, was curious. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 
I had a similar experience. I, um, my house was completely super clean. I finished every single project that needed to be done. I decluttered the pantry. I reorganized everything. I decorated my kid's bathroom. I like painted. I decorated my kid's bathroom. Yes. Who does that? <laughs> I was outside like hammering things. I was doing everything. And I kept going up to my husband like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm doing this. I realized I, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. I hadn't eaten anything. Right. I had yeah. felt no hunger. Mm-hmm. I forced myself to eat a bowl of cantaloupe. And I realized this is why people take this. Because I'm... I get why the kids sell it at college. Absolutely. That's for damn sure. You know? Now, I don't think uh, that there's a... Uh, and I'm not a doctor, so... But I, I do want us to be as accurate as we can. I don't think that there's a lot of addiction concerns with those kind of medicine, which is why doctors will put children on something like that versus like an anti-anxiety or antidepressant because there are medicine so medicine has a half-life right and like the half-life on those is short so they go out of your system quickly Mm -hmm. so by the time the day is over it's gone it's gone and you're starting over the next day yeah whereas with an antidepressant they build you know, and, and I don't know if it concerns addiction as much as it concerns the weaning off of it and whatnot. You know, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm right. not a doctor. Yeah. My my information is limited. I'm not trying to give anybody advice. Yeah, this is know, totally but, anecdotal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anecdotal. <laughs> but I do know that, you know, those go through your system pretty rapidly. Yeah. Whereas, like, there's more of a long-lasting chemical change. It's it's building upon itself when it's like an antidepressant or an yeah. anti-anxiety medication. Well, it was an interesting day for me, too. Yeah. And uh, I didn't make that mistake again because I did not like feeling that focused. I'm, I'm that focused in regular life. I don't need... I mean... I, I mean, I might do it again someday. It was kind of fun. <laughs> I won't. But I won't. I, won't. I didn't that, like that's it. That's not a habit. No. no. That you, I mean, like... If I could write like six chapters, though, that was pretty good. <laughs> Give it that. So, so parents out there, if you've accidentally taken your kid's medication, we have two. There, it's okay. If your kid needs medication, that's okay. If you need medication, that's okay. Let's all just work together to support each other in everybody being able to function and get their work done and and be productive in life and be the best me I can be absolutely and if you need somebody to talk to about how you feel about it talk to us we're here to, we're all in this together and mm-hmm. we truly truly want to be partners with everybody else out there trying to, to just do their best teamwork so, makes a dream work baby absolutely come and talk to Chrissy and Heather that's right you can talk to us if you go on the Instagram, if uh-huh. you go on the Facebook, mm-hmm. if you go on the website. Mm-hmm. All of those are at Chrissy and Heather, and we will look forward to continuing our conversation over there. I'm glad that I got all of this off my chest. I'm glad that you did, too. It was a great conversation. Thanks. We just got into it. <laughs> we did. We got into it big time. All right, guys. Well, uh, we're going to sign off for now and um, go make sure that we take the correct medication. (laughs) And we hope you guys have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Deep voice guy, how'd we do? I think you ladies did absolutely fabulous. And for those of you looking to increase your dosage, make sure to connect with The Chrissy and Heather Show on Facebook and Instagram.